everyone out listening to Enter VR, the podcast where we talk about all things virtual reality. I am Chris Miranda, your host, and uh, on today's show, I have Aaron Lemke. Uh, am I pronouncing your name right, first of all? That's correct. Thank you for thank you for having me. So happy to have you on the show, man. Um, excited because you are the creator of so many demos and VR, like VR demos and experiences. Um, uh, you know, uh, Eden River HD, uh, Opera Nova, one of my personal favorites thus far. Um, and you like and is it Android two three seven? Is that the one or Lunadroid? Lunadroid. Ah, oh, almost had it. Um, but you also, I mean, I there's. A lot of demos in your website that I haven't quite tried yet. I apologize for that, but um, yeah, you're very prolific, man. I congratulate. I gotta commend you on that for sure. Like that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's you know that's one way to learn game development is just to make a lot of games. Give me your backstory. Um, how did you wound up, you know, on this uh, neck of the woods? I mean, I, I grew up playing games, and I always loved games. And I, I guess I was aware of the fact that people, you know, somebody had to make these. But it never it never seemed like a thing that you could actually go do. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't until college um, that I really thought, hey, maybe I could do this. There was, uh, it may have been the first Humble Bundle, if you ever, if you ever do those. Um, first or second. And it had uh, Braid... It had a game called Machinarium and uh, a game called World of Goo. And all these games are, are just incredible and some of my favorite games. Uh, but the, the key was they were made by one person or, or a really small team of people. And so that was the first time I realized, like, oh, okay, you could actually do this. You know, and you don't have to be a giant studio to get away with this. So that definitely planted the seed was those initial games. But even back then, I was still, I wasn't even really, I don't know, I wasn't thinking about VR yet because Oculus Kickstarter hadn't happened or anything and nobody was talking about it. I mean, I was aware of VR. I just didn't think, you know, I, I guess I probably thought it would be 10 years before we figured it out. At what point did you realize that this was the the second coming of VR? Like, you know, at what point did you was like, were you like, oh, okay, this isn't a fluke. This is actually going to be a thing. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, the Kickstarter was was big. That's kind of I think when a lot of people um, realized that it was going to be possible. I don't know. I think I think. Like around the time when maybe the iPhone come out came out, I do remember thinking like, "Oh well, you know this kind of, all you would need is some kind of bubble lens, some kind of like fisheye lens, and uh, you could turn this phone thing into a VR headset because um, it's already got the tracking you know built in." But uh, I don't know. I think the first time I learned to be about VR, I remember when that was. It was. Uh, it was in elementary school. I was reading one of those eyewitness books. They're like these oversized books, and they'll just be focused on a topic, like like minerals or cars or you know airplanes. And uh, there was one about the future, and in it, it had these pictures of like the '90s VR systems, just with the giant headset and like the big dumb gloves that probably didn't even work that well. So that's kind of when the seed was planted for me all the way back then. Nice. And you know, at at this like fast forward a little bit like um, you know, what were you, what were your first impressions when you tried on the the Rift? 
Well, the first game I tried was Team Fortress Two, <laughs> which is not a great it's not a great one to start with because I think the scout in that game in real life runs like seventy five miles an hour or something, and so it's it's really intense. And also, like if you get shot with a rocket, your uh, the camera is still attached to the rag doll after you die, <laughs> so it just like goes flying. So that was that was pretty intense. Um, but I mean, it was amazing. I had been reading a lot about VR before I got it. There's a guy named Jaron Lanier who, uh, actually is the guy who coined the term virtual reality, uh, back in the eighties. Him and some of his buddies made the first, uh, full mo full, full body tracking VR systems. And, uh, he also worked on the connect and he writes, uh, he writes books, that aren't really about VR. They're about the internet and internet economies. But he always talks about VR a little bit. And so, like, I that was that was where all the hype came from f- for me before getting the Rift was like reading Jaron Lanier talk about how cool VR is. That's what that's what really got me excited. Nice. Um, is there a particular book that he has out or a specific chapter that I can just fast? Yeah, there's a You Are Not a Gadget. This is his first book. And uh, it's a really interesting book, but yeah, like the last, I don't know, it's the last couple of chapters, he talks about the early days of VR, and he's got some, he's got some crazy theories about VR, um, but it's super fun to read, and, and I learned a lot. I mean, that guy's all about, and we haven't even really gotten to this point, I think, yet with the Rift, uh, he, he's all about avatars, studying avatars, studying the range of avatars that that humans can learn to control which is actually remarkably large it's you know i have you know i don't know i all i know about avatars is from what i've read and heard him talk about but he makes it sound like the human body is just incredibly uh plastic it's incredibly flexible as far as learning how to control different avatars um yeah, and I I don't know. It's it's really interesting. He's got he's got a theory that explains it, which is like, well, if you look at our evolutionary history, uh, we've evolved. Our brains have evolved to control all kinds of different bodies, avatars, in a sense. You know, we at one point we were fish. At one point we were crawling around. You know, and then we learned to stand up. So like, our brain has been has kind of witnessed all these all these various kinds of avatars. And so there's some sort of like latent ability of our brain to be very adaptive and to learn how to control things um, really easily. I mean, I think it's evident in in a different way and something like learning to play the piano or to play the drums. Like our, our bodies are just really great at learning stuff, like learning interfaces. So I don't know. That's a part of VR that no one's really talking about that I'm excited to explore getting excited just hearing you talk about it <clears throat> because that's i yeah that's something i haven't quite thought about myself and when you talk about avatars are you referring to um a virtual representation of what i could be in virtual reality so uh, yeah. uh, the like can so how would um how would jaren Linear's theory apply to me controlling the avatar of a of a cat yeah well he he gives an example of uh Somebody, somebody working in his lab made a, a lobster avatar, and you know lobsters have like claws, but then they have these kind of three extra 
legs on each side and they were amazed that they could they could set it up in a way to where people could learn how to do it pretty quickly control all these different limbs and so what they're doing is again they're using full body suits so it's a little bit different but they're you know they're taking a little bit of of movement from your wrist and making that control one of the joints on these little side arms and like a little bit a little bit from the elbow and that controls this and it's really about how they map your body to the different to the to the rig of the avatar basically yeah it's crazy I don't want to get too sidetracked on that because I, I do want to know like what your take is on um, you know what the like this virtual reality the renaissance that is happening around us and where do you see yourself fitting in um, in the future um, I don't know it doesn't seem like a renaissance to me because I didn't see the previous one you know I don't know I'm I'm kind of too young it was weird I I did I got to do my first panel at uh the silicon valley vr conference and expo and i was on the indie game developer panel uh indie vr developer panel and when we were going through doing introductions everyone else on the panel was like was 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 saying like yeah you know i got into vr back in the 90s back when it came around you know the last time it came around and since then, I've been working in the games industry ten years, you know, whatever. And then, it, and then this resurgence happened. But for me, it's like, man, back in the early '90s, I was four, you know, like I was—I didn't even really know what was happening. Um, so I don't know. I have a little bit of a different perspective because this is the first time that I've seen it. And I mean, you, you know, then you meet people that have seen multiple sort of hype cycles of VR, like not only the one in the '90s, but the initial one in the 80s and you know even beyond i don't know like at these conferences every once in a while you meet a really old dude who's just been in it you know he's just been waiting for vr for like 30 years <laughs> um yeah i don't know I, i'm with you on that i i i can relate to you because <clears throat> i'm um I, I have a confession to make. I, I've never seen Lawnmower Man. Uh, Neither have I. Hey. <laughs> Everybody tells me, you should see Lawnmower Man. <laughs> we should have a movie night, man. You and I. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Let's watch it in Rift Max, dude. Yeah. That's a awesome idea, actually. <laughs> you can make an event out of it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, yeah. I'm going to write that down somewhere. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, just like you, this is my first vr hype cycle and uh, it's a it's an interesting perspective that i'm like um that my mind is sort of um free from you know any jadedness of you know the past i i'm, I'm totally hyped i'm totally like thinking about the future um and uh, i have to sort of go back and study the past like the 90s what what really happened in the 90s to like actually understand because i i, I you know i was too young to really pay attention back then um right why didn't it work back then why is it going to work now yeah that was a, like the fundamental question that i need you know that i asked myself like you know why did it take so long mm -hmm. i think we were just waiting for the cell phone industry you know that's kind of what what sparked everything it brought down the price of all the components of the headset definitely and it's not um you know and it's 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 exponentially growing it, it just makes it uh, that much more exciting because you know it's gonna get cheaper um, it's gonna just get better and better and for you you know going forward like how do you uh, plan on uh, segmenting your name in history 
Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's a that's a pretty big question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, for now at least, I want to be the guy. I want to be the go-to guy for slow-paced, uh, transcendent experiences in VR. I, you know, there's not a lot of people doing that. There's more and more every day, but. There's still a big focus on on more traditional types of games just transferred to VR. That makes sense, you know. You know, go with what you know. But I think there is an opportunity to explore a totally new type of thing. I don't even really like the word experience that much. I think maybe we need a a new word. Um, You know, we need a new vocabulary for this. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the reason I'm... I'm focusing on this kind of stuff is in the early days of like right when I got my Rift, I remember going on Oculus Share and on Rift Enabled and just not really seeing, I don't know, the types of games that I wanted to play. I, I, there was a lot of horror games. There was a lot of kind of action-y games. Um, and horror, you know, it's really effective on the Rift, but <laughs> it's maybe too effective. It's terrifying. Um, I can't even hardly play some of these games. Um, and then, you know, the other side of that is, is action games. And I mean, some action games work well, but if it's a game where you have to move your head around really fast, you know, that all that's going to do is is point out the flaws and maybe the shortcomings of the headset, you know. Like if it's a game where you're dodging really quickly, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go slow and you're going to notice lag and you're going to notice it's just not going to feel right. So, so all of that is is basically why I decided to make uh, sort of slow-paced meditative games. Yeah, no, and um, they're very effective. I, you know, I, I love Eden River, um, and Opera Nova is one of my favorite experiences thus far. It's just, you know, that um, there's this a sense of, um, of of wonderment in, in there, and I honestly and immediately get reminded of uh fantasia 2000 for a sec like being in yeah. opera nova um not just because your screen captures is mickey mouse but like immediately i'm thinking about like wow you know if i could if i could m- make music with this um and that's where my next question is going to head and you know what are your plans for opera nova um and Eden River, what what, are, what sorts of features and, and new things are, are, are fans uh, sh- uh, going to be able to see in the future? Um, well, with Opera Nova, I don't know. There's there's a couple of ways that that it could go. Uh, right now, I'm reading in MIDI files uh, f- that I made in Logic Pro, and I'm using those MIDI files to trigger the particle effects in unity that's why it links up so perfectly with uh the music it's because they're they're derived from the same midi file um so the, the kind of the bummer about that approach is that there's only one song that it works with right like it's all been composed to work together with the song that i wrote um you know on the on the other side of that spectrum you have things like you know like the iTunes visualizer that will take any song and read it in and and sort of create a visual for it using frequency spectrum analysis the problem with that is it's not quite as you know it's like 
maybe you'll get some cool moments of serendipity, but it's not it's not like designed for that song. Um, the other thing that it could be is, and a lot of people have been, a lot of my musician friends, like on on Reddit and stuff, have been asking me about this. Like, well, I want to be able to put my own MIDI into it, so in real time, you know, hook up a keyboard and be triggering particle effects just in real time with the keyboard. I, I that's possible. I just haven't. I don't know how to do that. Um, but so, I mean, realistically, the future of, of Opera Nova, it's, I think it's going to end up being kind of an extension of what it already is. It's going to be a longer experience. Maybe there's parts of it where you're flying, kind of like in Eden River. Or, or really the, the inspiration that I'm thinking of is, um, did you ever play Journey? So that's, I think that game is just amazing. Um, and there's a couple of sequences where like you're flying with, these 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 creatures these like banner creatures and the music is is just like perfect and it's 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 a it's kind of like a i don't know it's kind of like a scripted uh sequence you can move around inside of this inside of these barriers but it's pretty much the music is is scripted and uh triggered based on where you are so i i think i think i'll probably end up doing something like that uh for Eden River, and, and then for I mean sorry for for Opera Nova, um, but for Eden River, really what I want to do is like right now you buy the game and it comes with four levels, uh, and, and uh, I don't know if you played the new one, but there's there's like these little extra icons in the menu that say uh, more environments coming soon, and that's that's really what I want Eden River to be. I think it could be a platform for selling other you know. A myriad of environments because uh, maybe you know maybe people don't want to go to the forest maybe they want to go to like the nighttime fairyland or something so i ideally i would be able to offer just a suite you know maybe 10 or 20 different environments or environment packs you know uh eden river is going to be on steam so you can do dlc kind of like environment pack downloads um so yeah that's that's where it's headed eventually I I, <clears throat> I like the concept of that mini vacation with the rift and yeah virtual tourism yeah it's right there um and you know, how how long do you think um you know how long does it take to make a to make a, a map for example or or um not a map but like a, a small world piece it doesn't take that long um most of the time that I put into Eden River was scripting the adventure mode. And kind of like getting all the events to happen and the birds and everything. Uh, so yeah, it doesn't really take that long to build an environment. And it, like if I was really, if I was really smart and if I was a real disciple disciple of Valve, I would be integrating uh, Steam Workshop so people could build their own levels. You know, maybe just out of a bunch of different assets that I let them use, or maybe they can make their own assets. I don't know. That might be coming in the future too. I really like the idea of uh, an app that lets people create their own content. Yeah, that would be super sweet, being able to share with other people the, the, the spaces I've created. And yeah, it's a really awesome idea. Um, and then, you know, so so is, so Opera Nova and Eden River are the things that are taking up the, the bulk of your time so, so thus far? Or, or do you have any other projects on the, you know, on the back end that you're working on? Yeah, there's always there's always projects on the back burner. <laughs> uh, 
it's one of the tough parts about being a one-man team is you only have so much time. But, uh, yeah, man, I got my DK2 a week or two ago. And, first of all, I was amazed. You know how you can go in. Do you have Do you have one? I am. I have one in front of me right now. I've been. Oh, nice. I've been playing with it. It's not mine. Uh, I have a friend who's who's just got his, and uh, mine nice. is on its way. But it's pretty sweet. I gotta say. Okay, here's the thing that I didn't realize. If you go into the uh, the configuration tool and load up whatever that desk scene is, you know, where you're just sitting at a desk, and you can visualize the capture volume. The capture volume is huge. <laughs> like. Yeah, if you if you click that visualize button and you see kind of the the edges of where the camera can see, it's huge. And I was surprised because previously Oculus had been saying, "Oh yeah, you know, we're targeting a seated experience." Um, but if you if you pull your desk chair out of the way and stand up and maybe point the camera angle the camera up a little bit, you've got a solid you've got a solid space that you can walk around in. Honestly, the only limiting factor is the length of the HDMI cable. Like, if you pull that all the way, like, if you back up as far as you can go, you could even go farther, but the cable is, it's kind of the end of the cable. Um, so I was very surprised, and I i mean, that was very inspirational just to think about, you could already make a standing up app, and in fact, I, like, right when I figured out, damn, this capture volume is huge, I went and instantly prototyped this, uh, this thing in Unity that I don't want to describe it in too much detail, but it's probably the coolest experience that I've done in VR, and it's a, it takes advantage of the fact that you can stand up and walk around. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, it'll be coming soon. I don't want to say it because it's a fairly simple idea, and if uh, you know someone else could do it really easily, but it's oh, it's amazing. I mean, it, that's what VR really is, is, I think, is being able to stand up and walk around and examine something, you know? It was amazing. I, yeah, I encourage you just to just to load up that that desk demo and, you know, move your desk chair out of the way and see how big the space is. It's, it's pretty amazing. So there's this um, a project in the works that I've got to try at the last Silicon Valley VR meetup, and... Um... Yeah, there was a standing experience, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. I, I I'm just like you, like I, I was under the impression that Oculus is uh, that Oculus locked it down somehow that you couldn't stand up, but yeah, <clears throat> no, you just move back, you stand up, and you're there. It, it works. This is with the DK2. Yeah, with DK2. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and the other thing, the other thing I'll say is is I can imagine buying you know one maybe two more of these cameras and having a pretty damn big capture volume you know like a living room i think oculus is going to do that i mean yeah i that's what i realized when i saw this how big the camera volume is it's like wow they they're very very close to the full on stand up vr experience you know longer cable and the, and you're and you know some input which we know they're working on and yeah you're gonna be set. I yeah, I can't wait. I mean, what are some like um, pipe dream sort of features that you've loved to have for for CB1, for example? Like, you know, what are some things that you you know, you know, are 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 possible but unlikely that they'll show up? Wireless. <laughs> I mean, that would be incredible. Wireless being able to track you when you're turned around, that would be big, and that could be fixed by having a couple more cameras. Um, 
a 4K display. Is that? Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna say no to that. <laughs> Give me like a quick rundown about like um, you're probably one of the few one man developers that I've that I've had on the podcast, and I and I like to get your perspective on what it's like to be you know, a, a one-man army, you know, what are the pros and cons? Yeah, well, like you said, there's ups and downs. Um, it's nice because it forces me to learn every aspect of game development. Um, uh, and, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I like to get things right. But at the end of making a game, I've every time I've always learned a bunch of new stuff. So that's, that's the that's the pro uh the con is that maybe you go a little crazy making stuff on your own just like by yourself um and you work slower which sucks the, the i mean i i i want to work with other other developers eventually i mean i just i don't know it's a matter of finding the right person i think um finding the right team so yeah if there's any any uh, genius Unity developers out there listening, send me an email. Um, uh, only uh, geniuses apply, though. Only uh, yeah, only geniuses. Okay. If you're not, don't, just don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that one Elon Musk video where the guy came up to him and was like, um, "So I am a, a level two genius, just like yourself, Mr. Musk." And uh, I, he like he like blatantly asked Musk to be. Uh, to become his vice president and everybody <laughs> in the crowd was like who is this guy just laughing um, <laughs> so so only level two geniuses need apply yeah okay yeah cool um <laughs> what are like uh you know what do you what do you think is something that uh, as a developer would really help you from 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 oculus or or something that they're doing right um you know, on that end, you know, how could a developer benefit from uh, a relationship with Oculus? I don't know. I mean, they have a publishing arm now. That would be, that would be nice. <laughs> Get some of that money. I see where you yes. <laughs> you know? Immediately, I knew where you were headed. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I don't know how to do that, though. Um, I don't know. It would be nice. <laughs> Nice to have a Mac SDK for 0.4. That'd be sweet. Oh, it came out this this morning. The uh, wait, did it really? Yep, yep. This Are you morning. shitting me? Yeah, eight uh, as of right, August. Can I, say, can I say that on your podcast? You can say whatever the fuck you would like to say. So. Really? Yeah, man. <laughs> we go. Yeah, right. we, no censors. Um, but as of August 12, 2014, uh, Mac OS is now supported for uh, wow. DK2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind, man. Yeah, it's exciting stuff, man. Uh, we were just playing with it a little earlier ago, and we're having some troubles with Judder. But um, again, this is sort of to be expected, you know, day day zero sort of stuff. Well, uh, why are you so uh, uh, are you so inclined to to get it Mac supported? Well, actually, I'm getting away from that. I just got a a new laptop, a new PC laptop, so I'll probably won't even be messing with the Mac SDK. Just because I don't know, it's always a hassle, and stuff like this where they don't release, they don't release for Mac. It's kind of an afterthought, you know. Mhm. 
yeah. It's almost not worth it. That's, I mean, I, as much as I hate to say that, being like a hardcore Mac guy for a long time, it's it's like two percent of your market. You know, it's almost not worth it. I don't know. Yeah, I was looking through all the all the demos uh, that are DK2 compatible at this point. You know, from off of Cymatic Bruce's list, and um, yeah, there's like five out of how many thirty. 50 demos, DK2 demos that are Mac compatible so far. Um, it's almost not worth it. That's, I mean, <clears throat> I hate to say that, being like a hardcore Mac guy for a long time, it's it's like 2% of your market, you know? Hmm. It's almost not worth it. I don't know. Yeah, what an uh, what an interesting um, flame war that we would ignite if we started a to- uh, Smack talking about Windows versus Mac. Um <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't really have a, a preference. I have a PC. I wouldn't, but yeah. but I don't, you know, a uh, computer's a computer. A computer's a computer to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. whatever gets the job done, um, which is sort of a weird way to seeing it. But yeah, at this point, it's all about Windows when it comes to like getting Oculus VR stuff mm-hmm. ready. And I mean, they probably have the same approach, which is like the Mac market is so small that it's almost not worth it. What's your take on Android though? Would you is that is that a platform that you've thought about expanding over to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a while ago, if you would have asked me a while ago, I would have said that the Oculus CV1. My bet was going to be that that would be kind of like a game face type deal where it's an onboard a- Android computer, um, just because they're getting so damn powerful. Uh, these mobile processors and you know if you do that you can have no wires which is which is pretty cool um but i don't know i don't know about cv1 at this point i'm definitely planning on developing for android because i mean you know every i feel like every day there's a new company that's like oh we're making a a vr android headset holder thing for your for your smartphone i just think that's going to be you know if the general public jumps into VR, that's going to be the channel because so many people already have these phones. It's like, I don't know. It just seems like a no brainer. The, the, the Google play store is going to be how you're going to buy these apps. You know, maybe Oculus will have their own thing with Samsung, who knows, but still you'll always be able to buy stuff from the Google play store. And in fact, you can do that now with, with stuff that's uh, compatible with the, uh, the dive. Yeah, it's just uh, amazing to see that like uh, people are already walking around with the gateway drug to you know hardcore VR in their pockets, which is their f- smartphone, and all it takes is a, you know a couple a, a holder with a couple of uh, you know um, uh, customized lenses and and your set. Um, it's it's just crazy to see how uh, simple and yet complex VR is. You know like. <clears throat> just getting the latency down to like you know below 10 milliseconds you know i i can't even imagine what that sort of work would look like you know trying to program that out um, yeah it's, uh, it's kind of a nightmare yeah <laughs> that's the big problem with eden river hd what is the big problem it's just not running quick enough right now oh it's great go out go 
go and buy it. There will be updates. Yes, but... get it, please. It's awesome. Uh, but you, would it run uh, easier on on Android, for example? Since I don't know. Hmm. Well, why? Well, I, I don't know. Why? Why would you think that? I don't know. I just said it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe I was. I would assume it would be slower because it's a <clears throat> smaller thing. But I don't. I have no idea. I haven't tried it yet. I need. I need to. Because I definitely want to release uh, Eden River on Android, and you know, once you're on once you're on a mobile phone, I was talking about doing DLC before. Once you're on a mobile phone, that's in-app purchases. You know, that's buying things by looking at them and tapping on your headset. You know, that's going to be really cool. I, what do you think is the future of monetizing for like VR developers? And do you think it's going to be, you know, deals with, uh, you know, contracts with like big company publishers that will hold on to you for a couple of years until you're done with your game? Or is it going to be like um, sort of co-op scenarios where you co-op with other developers and, you know, pull in your resources to create Kickstarters and games? Or is it going to be like, you know, a solo journey like yourself or... You know, like, you know, what do you think? Ah, I don't know. I think for sure right now, you know, these big AAA developers and publishers are a little bit trepidatious uh, as far as jumping into VR because, you know, you can't blame them. There's not really a market yet. I mean, there's a market of about 100,000 developers who are going to have these things, but, you know, that doesn't justify spending millions of dollars on a giant game. So that's actually good for independent developers like me because we can kind of get a head start we can we we're we can take the risk because we don't have insane overheads you know and insane development costs um i say risk it doesn't really feel like a risk to me because i don't know and maybe i've gone to too many conferences and, and swallowed the kool-aid too much but i, I think it's gonna ha you know i think it's gonna happen whether it's this year or next year or the next year it's gonna it's gonna happen um you know, so I'm I'm willing to take the risk to, I guess, be an early adopter and, and try to get away with making these things before anyone else does. Yeah, I, I think you're making a very sensible gamble. Um, and I, you know, I'm with you on that. I've drank the whole Kool-Aid uh punch, uh, and it's delicious, and I don't mind it. Um, but, but you know, it, it I. I try to step out of the VR bubble once in a while. Like uh, just a couple of weeks, I went on vacation and just try to disconnect as much as I could. Uh, and it's nice. You come back and you realize, oh, you know, I wasn't crazy. It's actually still gonna happen. I still, it's still, it's still as awesome as ever. And it's, um, you know, it's not, it's not a straight line to uh, wealth for for anyone, but it's happening. And you know, it's cool because I think what's happening, you know, in disperse this theory if you, if you think I'm wrong but like I think the publishers the big companies I think they want you to take the the risk first because uh, you know I figured the, you know once the dust is settled you know they'll be able to pinpoint which are the best developers which 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 are the yeah. guys that have been yeah. putting in the most time uh yeah. Through, I guess, the free market because that's the games that are get the most downloads. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's 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 tough because there's so much talent I think in the VR community that could use an extra hand. You know, like <laughs> cash wise, like it'd be awesome if people, you know, such as you know, I don't know what your financial situation is, but it would be awesome if you could see like 
developers go full time and yeah. <laughs> dedicate their whole time because you know, even like you know there's games that you know as amazing as they were like titans of space for example Drash created that in his spare time. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine what he'd do if, if that's all he did. Um, well, hopefully, Oculus will, you know, start throwing money at publishers. Is it is it a is it a question of money, uh, or, or is there more to it oh. though? Yeah, there is more to it. I guess for me, it's a question of kind of like personnel and and know how. Um, yeah, I just. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I know the right people. I don't know the right artists yet to help me. Like I was talking earlier, you know, I'm looking for a Unity developer to work with, but I'm also looking for environment artists, like, uh, you know, like to make to make DLC stuff for Eden River. That's really where, you know, the the I think the bulk of the sales in Eden River will come from. So, uh, hey, if you're an environment artist, send me an email. Yeah, and uh, a level two super genius. Make sure. <laughs> <laughs> what you know, and I was gonna ask you like, uh, what was the next thing? Um, so so Eden River. Who are you targeting? Who who is your spe- is there a specific audience that you have in mind when you were creating this experience? And by the oh. way, uh, we're gonna have to talk about the word experience because I, I feel like yeah. I feel weird talking saying it now. Um, it's not a great word. <laughs> Um, need a new word. Let's talk about the the new word. What is it? Why why experience is not a good word? Experience. I, I don't know. I have a friend in Austin here. His his term is video dreams, which I think is on the right track. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Experience just that sounds kind of lame. The thing is, they're not games. A lot of them, you know. I mean, Eden River, the adventure mode, I guess, is a game technically but it's just i don't know i don't know what the word is people are gonna have to come up with something new uh i agree because and then and it's gonna make it interesting because uh we're gonna have to figure out if one day we want to have a you know a virtual reality uh awards you know like the oscars that movies they are yeah did you you see that are there there is there like a yeah road to vr is putting on the the first annual vr awards i think in november oh well that is yeah. a, a pleasant surprise thank you for that that sounds awesome <laughs> yeah man look it up it's gonna be uh i think it's gonna be inside rift max yeah yeah even right, better right after i saw they announced that i immediately emailed ben over at road to vr and was like hey man let me know if you need a house band because i would love to be the first virtual reality house band <laughs> yeah that sounds yeah i it, it was it was i had i mean that's a good idea to like put together an award show for VR experiences because it's um there's nothing else to compare it with really yeah yeah that's true quick question uh just dipping our toes into the rabbit hole um you let's know, go let's go to the rabbit hole <laughs> really, I'm ready <laughs> wait what, what do you think is gonna happen to you know you personally um there's gonna be a point I I think. And and I'm sure you know this, but there's going to be a point at which the rift is going to be maybe five years, maybe ten years from now is going to be really, really, really hard to tell between real life and and the, and and VR. And we will have crossed the uncanny valley. You know, how do you think you will react to that day, like to to the moment where, like, holy shit, I can't tell the difference. 
how will I react to that yeah. day? And what are your thoughts, you know, for like just the overall impacts of what that could mean for us? Man, I don't know. I, I, I do stand by what I've said before, which is I think good, the best VR should always be in schools first before it, it goes to consumers because I mean, if everyone has insane VR at their house that they can just play games with, uh, kids are going to go to school and go to the VR lab and be like, yeah, this is, you know, this is all right, I guess, but I have this at home. Uh, whereas if, 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 if every school had an insane VR lab, then kids would go to school and they would just have their mind blown every day. Um, and because I, I don't know, it's just that's how that's how people should learn stuff. They should learn stuff experientially. Um, you know, taking it back to Jaron Lanier, he's he's a big he's a big advocate of turning kids into what they're learning. Um, so turn them into a chlorophyll molecule or something and let them see that in action. Um yeah, and it kind of it kind of takes advantage of the fact that all humans are at least a little bit narcissistic. So if the thing that you are, if something's happening to you, you're going to pay attention to it because you're like, oh, well, that's that's me. You know, I'm inst- instantly intrigued by that and curious about that. Um, but man, I don't know. As far as like the technology getting indistinct to a point where it's indistinguishable from real life, it's kind of a scary territory. You know, maybe we're going to have to have some kind of new rating system or you know what maybe there's going to be certain games that have to be outlawed because they they fake you out as to what's reality and what's not reality i don't know yeah i don't know either and like i asked that because i've um you know i don't know where i saw this research but like they were testing out um you know these humanoid robot sort of um models with with other human beings and and humans uh the more realistic the robot got to to looking like a human the the less we liked it the more we fought it mm-hmm. um, well yeah that's the uh, uncanny valley yeah and so is that going to happen to us like the VR? more realistic vr becomes the more we're going to get freaked out about it and the more we're going to pull back from it i mean what do you think i don't know i mean is is the uncanny valley um limited to humans because like i I, i've never seen um like a a plant or something in a video game that looks almost real but maybe it's in the uncanny valley and like repels me i don't know i think that's the thing i think it's a human-based thing maybe i'm wrong but like if you ever seen the uh there's an old pixar short called uh tin toy it's one of the first ones they did and it's like these tin toy these little tin uh toys being chased around by a baby and the baby is squarely in the uncanny valley and just looks terrifyingly creepy um but like the toys you know look pretty realistic and i'm not being really creeped out by them. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Is it is it unique to to human representations? Yeah, I know. I'm not sure. 
But I'll, I'll tell you this: the moment that 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 happens, I'm gonna freak the fuck out. Uh, you know, I'm going to put on I'm gonna put on the newest version ten of the Oculus Rift, and all of a sudden, I'm gonna be like, what is it? Like, I I feel like it's gonna be like a almost like having like a small dose of a hallucinogenic drug like yeah. you know this, this what a mind trip now we've reached the point at which technology is completely tricking our senses and you know then you start getting all philosophical like holy shit what is reality then you know uh yeah and i, I you know you you wonder like what is you know what are the implications to that uh, for me i thought about like you know people will start uh, creating worlds in which they will want to live in and then other people will come in and um, you know I, what I think is going to happen you know how people keep talking about simulation theory and how we're all inside a giant simulation that is being run by an alien civilization just to see how you know how the process of life would look like if this and that happened so I think that we'll, we'll start doing that you know eventually we'll actually start manipulating VR and uh, meta the metaverse and we'll have like volunteers like I'll be like all right Chris and Aaron why don't you guys go live in this communist country and experiment and see how they things go over there you know um it's definitely going to be a turning point when we get there right cuz like like you said this is the first time that we've been able to sufficiently trick our perceptual systems to the point of convincing them that they're seeing an another world and that's like that's a big deal for humans in, in a way what we've been trying to do for a long time yeah um, you know it's it's through art is to transport people to other places like i always i always look at architecture like the architecture of you know these giant gothic cathedrals and stuff those were these otherworldly places that you would go into the stained glass you know they would have incense burning they're they had, a lot of them had organs so they were they're trying to immerse you and take you to another world via all of your different sensory modalities. They're very aware of that. And like the Alhambra too, the great uh, Islamic palace, the, the, they, they brought in birds from all over the world, um, not only just to have cool birds to look at, but because of their songs. Um, so in that sense, they were appealing to your ears. I, I read they also had, you know, they would, they would import all these exotic spices and they would they would align them along the walkways so that you would smell them. So there's a there's a long history of of humans trying to create uh, basically virtual worlds. I mean that's what I would call those those great buildings of the past. They're virtual worlds. They're they're kind of you know they're attempting to immerse you in a, a new place. So now we're finally getting <laughs> really good at it. And uh, I I don't know man I don't know what's gonna happen. It's hard. It's hard to it's hard to see the future. <laughs> it it totally is. Uh and it's a it's a bit of a fool's errand. But I'm I I'm so compelled to think about it because it's just you know uh 1 second from now is going to be the future. And that thought makes me you know thinking about it. Holy crap, it's already here and it's happening. Uh you know just thinking about being a human being living in the year 2014 like i don't know it just feels weird to be part of the 21st century when i used to read about it in books when i was like growing up in the 90s you know um yeah thinking about like what life would be like now and here we have this thing virtual reality and i'm speaking to a person who is at the edge of knowledge of like you know this technology um and 
yeah, it's just it's just awesome and weird. I don't know. Uh, well, there's I mean, there's a number of other technologies that I think are going to be just as insane. Um, there's a lot of people who think uh, we're going to be able to live forever fairly soon, or we're going to figure out the key to extending life. I mean, there's a lot of people putting mon money into that right now. So that would be a, a, a huge, you know, philosophical shift for humanity uh, as well. But I mean, like all kinds of stuff, you know, driverless cars is going to completely change the way we transport ourselves around the world. Just just robots in general. Like I always joke with my parents about get you know, whenever you guys get old, you know, I'll, 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 you'll get the best robots money can buy <laughs> at your retirement home. You know, I may not come see you, but you'll have the best robots money could buy. Um, but that's true. Like, there will be robot. I don't know why there isn't already, but I don't know. You'll you'll have robot servants. Like, imagine, like, cooking. Cooking is something that's, it's so easy to, re I don't know, it's the same every time. You know, like, following a recipe is this. So that seems like it would be very easy to train something to do that. I don't know. I'm not a roboticist, but th things like that. There's so many exciting technologies. I mean, a lot of people who really know what they're talking about say the 21st century is the air is the is the century of biotechnology so when technology starts entering into our bodies and you know in some ways it has already um but even more so over the the next hundred years yeah being able to manipulate you know life at a cellular level or a molecular level and and, and that would be insane uh if i if i had the ability to like i don't know see through walls i don't think cellular level could show me that maybe infrared vision maybe i don't know um but yeah i i'm totally with you just the amount of change that are happening and that are impending and most of us go about our everyday life and it's just happens and yeah. going along for the ride what a weird yeah, vr is just one of the insane technologies that's <clears throat> that's coming to fruition how do you think VR will go hand in hand with like the other sorts of technologies? How do you think automation, uh, you know, and machine learning will will go in hand will will relate to VR? Or how do you think driverless cars will relate to VR? Well, in the example of um, like a, a kitchen robot, I could see you know a full body tracking system where you train the robot through a VR simulation where you're cooking something you know and it's it's using some kind of sophisticated connect to track your body movements and what you're doing around the kitchen um yeah i don't know that's that's just one example what is your what is your biggest what are your biggest hopes and what are your uh biggest fears uh, about the future of this technology honestly my biggest hope is that the best vr systems go into schools first and don't go into people's homes. I know that kind of sounds backwards, but I really think it's just, we, you know, there's such a huge problem with education. And if you had asked me in college, I might have told you that's the problem that I wanted to work on because it was just so obviously broken. And I always had a hard time just accepting what these teachers were telling me. I mean, like, even since the fourth grade, I remember having discussions with my parents being like, why, why do I have who are these people <laughs> who are these what, what what do they know you know these teachers who died and made them king of of my brain um so yeah it's so obvious to me that there's a better way and i mean even i studied psychology in college and i remember 
reading, this was so hypocritical. I remember reading out of a psychology textbook with no pictures, just text. Uh, Studies have shown the best way uh, to encode things into long-term memory, the best way to learn things, is through media-rich experiential examples that relate to the the student's life. And it's like, you're telling me this out of a textbook that was made out of a tree? Like, come on, we already have games. You know, virtual reality is coming. What, what are you doing? <laughs> this is such a joke. So it's something that I've been frustrated with for a long time. And your fear would be? Uh, I guess my fear would just be you know like the the candy crush vrs taking over and and locking people in or even wow to an extent i mean wow is going to be so cool in vr but it's still locking you into a reward system that kind of is a waste of time i mean that's that's <laughs> i'm going to be blunt i kind of think it's a waste of time um uh, it's a hamster wheel in my opinion i think yeah it is or a skinner box you know it's scheduled rewards that's what those games are about is even candy crush it's about scheduling rewards and giving you feedback at just these perfect intervals where your your body accepts them yeah call me old-fashioned but i think games that have an end uh such as journey or you know do more traditional games um i i feel feel more satisfying um Feel, that's true. Uh, yeah, I just yeah, I don't know. There, there's that's why I, I, I every time I try to get into Skyrim and, and play Skyrim, even though hypothetically speaking, Skyrim has an end, even <laughs> though it's a long ass game. You know, games that are just hours, three three hundred hours, four hour hour, four hundred hours into them, like it, they're hard for me to like put time into because I, I don't know what. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see an end. I want to see like the fruit of my progress uh, somehow. Yeah, and the weird thing for me is like playing Skyrim. I'm totally aware of this reward system, where like I'm gaining XP, and you know maybe the, the real trick is that you level up, you get more powerful, um, but also the bad guys get more powerful. So anytime you get a big upgrade or a new sword or something. Uh, you're going to be better than the bad guys for a little bit because if, if they don't engineer that in, then you don't feel good about getting that new sword. But there's always a little period where you're kind of like kicking ass and you're destroying, and then they make the bad guys better, and that's why you need to keep going and and making uh, get you know get uh, upgrades and a new level or whatever. So it's just like you said, it's a hamster wheel, and it's it's not productive. <laughs> that's why Minecraft is so cool, or like you know. The, like all the, the the Steam Workshop stuff where people are making things and a lot of times making money, making pretty damn good money off selling these things in virtual marketplaces. I mean, that's what that's to me, that's way more important than, you know, just a game that's kind of a that kind of just occupies your brain mindlessly. You know, a, a game where you can create something and even make money off of it. Now we're talking. That's what that's what games should be. That's what VR should be. <laughs> I'm with you on that 100%. You know, just hitting up a couple of things you said. Um, I'm a, a total hypocrite because I play, I still play Battlefield 3 uh, with my family, um, and I'm still, you know, racking up points, which I don't really care about. I, I, I think I, I enjoy the experience of, you know, getting in a helicopter and just 
mowing down or getting behind enemy lines with my family. My grandpa, he's a total badass at Battlefield 3. So really? It's, it's pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah, he's pretty awesome at that. The, the, the second thing I want to hit up uh, was, you know, getting the Rift or the, the most high-end technology uh, that VR has to off, offer to schools, I think would be the most amazing thing that could happen to human civilization because so many problems that permeate our lives could... The root is in education. Yeah, yeah. That's the truth, man. It's... And that's why, that's what drew me to it because <clears throat> this is kind of the root problem yep. for a lot of things. Yeah. But it's such a shitty, horrible problem to try to solve. It, it is, and, and the worst thing is it's like, is, is, is realizing, and I might sound cynical and I might sound like an asshole for saying this, but I feel like even still, you know, having all this potential in front of us, people will still want to have rifts inside their house because the porn is going to be amazing. Yeah. No, I think everyone is entitled to their rift porn. I just think like, and it actually does kind of make sense. The The high, super high end VR systems are are going to be places that you go to. So like actually the first, so so your podcast was the first vr podcast that i found like a year ago and so i i've been listening to it for a long time but i heard you interview uh jamie kelly from vrcade in seattle that was a great that was a great interview very mind-blowing <laughs> um but yeah the high-end systems are going to be set up like that where it's a place that you go to and you like like laser tag or like a bowling alley you know People, most people don't have bowling alleys in their house. Um, I mean, some people do, but most people go to a place to, to bowl. Um, so in that sense, I think we're on the right track where the best VR will be not in your home. It'll either be in a retail store like the V Arcade, some kind of you know arcade that you go to, or conceivably, hopefully, in in a school that has enough resources to pay for it. I mean, I remember being in school and getting a fully uh, furnished Mac computer lab when the iMac came out. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Ma Apple made a really big effort to try and get uh, their computers into schools. Their their reasoning being, oh, if we can get them hooked really early, um, which maybe is, you know, then they'll, they'll buy our stuff later, which maybe is the wrong motivation for the whole thing. But 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 either way, it's, it is kind of, I don't know, things do look good in that, you're going to need to go to another place to experience really incredible VR, especially multi-person VR, especially, you know, like imagine taking a whole classroom into VR. That's going to take a big capture volume with some really sophisticated equipment. You know, and I, the idea that utilizing technology to teach uh, kids uh, and, and, and give them the tools that they're probably going to need in the real, in the job world when they get out of school, right? Like that's, you know, that's how is that a bad idea? Um, and, you know, you think about like um, the sort of the thing we've been skirting around is the fact that, you know, with Steamworks, people are creating things and they're making money. It's going to be the same thing when we have an established or established metaverses uh, that are, you know, that have their own economies and people can create things and share things and give themselves value and add value to others like I think, uh, you know, ideally, you know, especially in my mind, keeping in mind all the, 
you know, challenges that we have as a like civilization, as, as a species, you know, overpopulation and climate change and pollution and all these different things that involve crowds and crowds of people. And mind you, uh, em employment, just keeping, you know, people yeah. employed, you know, how, the rise of automation. Yeah, it, precisely. How do you do that? It, you know, how do you do that sustainably, most importantly, like especially with so many people out, uh, out in the world now? Um, yeah. And I and I realized that the answer lies in the metaverse and creating a an, an economy with virtual reality that will give jobs and give people the opportunity to be, opportunity to be creative and explorers and um, and and have lives that are meaningful. Hopefully, you know, like yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I you know. If the future is everyone has a pretty nice VR rig in their house and they spend all day inside of a virtual world building stuff and making money, selling stuff to other people, communicating with people, gathering with other groups, um, and not out on the roads driving around polluting the air, that doesn't sound like such a bad thing, you know? Like, let's just stay inside and go into these badass virtual worlds where everyone has agency. And, you know, everyone can be creative and make money off of their creativity. That doesn't sound so bad to me. Yeah, no, it doesn't. I mean, it, it, well, you know, what the, 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 flip, the flip side is, um, uh, you, it's going to be more the same status quo sort of world we live in where, you know, we know there's a very few amount of people that hold the vast amounts of wealth. And we had the majority of us are just you know, at the bottom trying to survive, like, you know, or we can create something that is not tied to those laws because the metaverse isn't, doesn't necessarily have to abide the same laws that, or the same, you know, social uh, yeah. classes that we're in, you know. I hope it doesn't. Yeah, that would suck. If, you know, <laughs> if I'm a peasant in the real world, I can't, I can't be a peasant in the metaverse. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah, that would be lame as fuck. Well, there there is a there is quite a lot of overlap, at least from what I've experienced. I a couple of weeks ago, Road to VR hosted a virtual panel discussion about VR with a bunch of VR developers uh, in Riftmax, and so anyone could. They invited a couple of developers. Um, they invited me and Ed Mason, the Game Face guy, and uh, I think somebody from from STEM and some other guys. And yeah, they just kind of had a little panel discussion with us and anyone could, could come and sit in the audience. But the really cool thing was uh, afterwards they had audience Q&A and Reverend Kyle was up there kind of like organizing the people who wanted to ask questions. And he was like, OK, well, yeah, everybody make a line and uh, we'll take turns and we'll all ask questions. And it was totally this this like uh, behavior from the real world of making a line and and taking turns asking questions and it it completely worked in the virtual world like i was i was amazed how civil it all was you know people weren't jumping over each other uh it, it was incredible that honestly that doing that panel discussion was the first time i realized shit virtual worlds are going to be amazing just like c connecting with people and communicating people and doing stuff like this where we're all learning and kind of challenging each other through virtual worlds it's just going to be incredible i uh, yeah it's uh and it's in its day zero i mean i still think it's day zero even though dk2 yeah. is out i you know there's 
It's like uh, when you look at DK1 or DK2, it's like looking at, you know, black and white television. Um, it's, it's not even – yeah, it's crazy how much more we have left to go. And uh, what, what do you think the, like, the ultimate future will be? Are we going to all be just hooked, you know, neurally, neuro, neurologically to the computer world? Or is this – or is it going to stop at, like, contact lenses or something? I saw I saw Gabe Newell talking. I didn't see him. I watched a video of him talking a couple months ago where he was saying, yeah, we're a lot closer than people think to the neural interface. You know, there's people there's people working on that, working on on simulating images kind of through your um your optic nerve. Yeah. And if Gabe Newell's talking about it, I'm inclined to agree with him. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Gaben uh, only talks when he knows what the fuck he he's talking about. Truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's, I remember seeing a 60 Minutes uh, also a while ago, where they ha- it was a paraplegic woman, and they had done this kind of surgery, where they literally implanted input jacks into her skull. And they would plug in these big cables. There were two of them. They would just plug them into the top of her skull. And once they were plugged in, she could, with her mind, control this robotic arm. So for the first time, she could brush her own teeth just using her mind. So it's coming. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, it's already here, which is, is insane. That is insane. And it's, uh, wow, that's insane. My, my ultimate dream is to be able to write a book. Just thinking about it, just thinking about yeah. the word, and it'll just like implant it, and then I'll be able to write a whole book inside VR. Dude, or like just like game development, or I don't know, and navigating any menu. The thing that I've realized, like imagine browsing through your iPhone apps. The thing about it is, whenever you want to do something with your fingers, say you want to swipe to the next page of apps, or you want to select an app, before you can activate that behavior with your actual muscles, you have to think about it. And. Then there's a slight delay, and then you go and you do it with your fingers. Um, so, you know, conceivably, you could train some kind of app to just to just look for those signals, whatever those are, when you're navigating menus. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, and it's yeah. And you know, according to Gabe, it's uh, Gaben. It's uh, closer than we think. Huh. That's awesome stuff. So, so Aaron, things are starting to come to a close. I was aware that you wanted to uh, do a musical piece. Is that still? Yeah. That, Can I? Is that cool? Dude, I, let's yeah. You, let's let's do this. Um, let's let's sign out, uh, close the program uh, right now, okay. and then and then we'll just finish off with your musical piece, and then. You know, um, so so how can people stay in touch? How can people support what you're doing and, and all that good stuff? And we can leave off the rest to uh, that awesome. Uh, is it going to be a song that you're performing? I'm so excited. What is it? Yeah, I'm playing. Uh, I've got a 12 string acoustic guitar here, and I'm going to play part of the music from the Eden River score. Just a little taste. Oh, man, I'm excited. Uh, this is my first uh, musical act I have on the podcast, so I'm excited. Hey. Is Yeah, I'm, I'm honored. Um, so, so, yeah, how can people stay in touch? How can people uh, follow um, up? You can, right now, if you go to unellodesign.com, U-N-E-L-L-O design, uh, you can download Eden River. Uh, you can buy it for 10 bucks. It also comes with Opera Nova, which is that sweet musical uh, Fantasia-like experience that we were talking about. 
And uh, it uh, it also comes with the soundtrack for Eden River, um, which I'm about to sample for you guys. But uh, yeah, check out there for updates. There's an email sign up. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron Lemke, A A R O N L E M K E. Uh, so you can you can go there too. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm I'm usually posting on Reddit pretty frequently. So send me a Reddit message if you're into that as well. Awesome. All right. Without further ado, uh, the floor is yours, good sir.